Simply Abundant Intuitive Hour, The Journey of Attachment, a special series that takes a deep dive into the topic of insecure attachment and why you can't let go. Here's Tracy Crossley. Howdy! Welcome to another wonderful episode on the journey of attachment. Yay! Who knew there was so much freaking content? So today we have, again, (laughs) arrived at more content under this wonderful topic that, frankly, I never wished to experience myself, as I am sure those of you listening feel the same way. Well, today, by request, as I've gotten more than one request, And I'll be doing a different one coming up as well. But we're going to be talking about attachment and all about the avoidant. The avoidant, who's the victim, the persecutor, but rarely the rescuer. And I'm not talking necessarily avoidant anxious, although all avoidants are also anxious. Most people with insecure attachment issues have anxiety. It just portrays itself differently. With avoidance, it doesn't necessarily surface. You can't necessarily tell because their actions are to shut down rather than to become needy and show you that they're needy. They may feel needy, but you're not going to know that they're needy, okay? And the interesting thing is that for most people who find themselves in this category, a lot of times they don't see themselves this way at all. So I get it because most of us don't see ourselves clearly anyway. So why would an avoidant see themselves clearly and an anxious person see themselves clearly or any other fucked up label that we have for ourselves and other people? Why would any of us see ourselves that way? And by the way, when I'm using these labels, it's not so you can neatly file yourself in the file drawer. It's just to give you some kind of a clue as to how your belief system and patterns were created, you know, the basis for it, but not necessarily stating, well, this is exactly who you are as a human being and that's it. You know, we tend to want to do that when it comes to the mental part of ourselves that needs that clean, clear-cut categorizing. But human beings aren't really that way. Not a lot of things around human beings are clear-cut. So this goes right along with it. And when you're looking at somebody who's an avoidant, most people who have had the tendency to be an avoidant usually are emotionally unavailable and had an emotionally unavailable or perhaps an unresponsive parent that they dealt with. And it's not necessarily that your parent had to be an asshole. Your parent could have had issues. Your parent could have been sick in the hospital. Your parent could have died. Your parent could have been dealing with a bunch of siblings that you have. They could have been having to work three jobs. There are so many reasons. It's not that, hey, because I'm an avoidant, my parent was a jackass. Not necessarily true. So... They may disregard or have disregarded your needs when you were sick or you're hurt and could have been rejecting of you. And most of the time, it was because it was too much for the parent to deal with emotionally. That's really it. But as a kid, you personalize it, right? There's something wrong with you. You shouldn't feel the way you do. You want to hide it. 
And so they would also, the parent would be telling a child, hey, you need to stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about or situations where they didn't feel any kind of nurturing or care. And so the kid became independent. I could totally relate to that because I became very independent as a kid and remained independent and was proud of it for many, many years. Although I was miserable inside, it was very painful, very isolating to live that way. So when a kid experiences this early on, they tend to hold back any kind of desire to reach out. They don't want to ever appear like they have anything wrong with them. They really don't because they're afraid they're not going to get the attention or if they get any attention that it'll be negative, right? And so when they are afraid or they're sick or perhaps they're watching a movie and crying, they don't want anybody to see that they're having an emotional reaction. Avoidance have emotional reactions. They're just hiding them most of the time or they're numb to them. So then they just feel a level of, let's say, anxiety or discomfort in general. Not necessarily feeling emotionally present. They're not necessarily feeling anything beyond numb because they're just trying to control their own emotional responses to things because of this early conditioning that they received. So in in, in the learning to suppress all of this, This is old shit. This is what they learned as a kid for survival, emotional survival. And so when you felt rejected as a kid because somebody is basically saying, hey, you're sick, toughen up, or take care of yourself, or you'll be fine, or anything else that minimizes their feelings, and then that's what they do. They minimize their own feelings. People who are avoidance are not high self-esteem, high confidence individuals. These are people who are really struggling to cope but can look super successful on the outside because of that false sort of independent way of operating because you're like a little adult and then you grow up into an adult, right? And you know how to be responsible and take care of yourself. So as a result, most people think you've really got your shit together. And on the inside, you're dying, And it took a long time for me to admit certain things to myself around this. I would walk around acting as though I have my shit together. I'm independent. I can do whatever I need to do. I don't need anybody. And if I want to have somebody in my life, that's different. But I am not going to admit this. And it was really difficult to start looking within and connecting to these crappy feelings that were underneath the surface. I could cry so easily, so easily, right? It didn't take a lot to set me off, but I didn't show anybody that I was crying. I would be hiding the crying. I would hide every emotion that did not pass my little strategy meter, you know, the way that I wanted to be perceived. If it did not correlate to that, forget it. It was kicked out the door. And that was hard. And I, I mean, I suppress so many emotions. So I know what that's like. And I was pretty anxious. But of course, I tried to pull that off too and not appear anxious until everything kind of imploded. And that was many years ago. 
Thankfully. Thankfully it did. I'm thankful for all the experiences that have brought me here. Because I look at how I feel compared to how I used to feel. And it never felt good to be that person. Sure, other people can admire you and they can tell you how great they think you are and all this other bullshit. But it never really gets beneath the surface. And the truth is you walk around like a victim and a martyr. Most people will put you in the position of persecutor, which actually you kind of enjoy because that means distance, right? If you're always to blame, you're always the asshole. But at the same time, when you're the victim, because you're still a victim, you're still blaming everybody else. Oh, God, what's wrong with them? Why are they so needy? Shit like that, right? So this is an illusion, though, to believe that you can totally take care of yourself separate from everybody else. And so what happens is there's not a lot of motivation to reach out to other people for help or support. It looks weak. It's weak. What are you doing? You know, I'll, I'll help you. I knew that one. I could help. I could be that support person, the pretend rescuer, but not really. Oh, yeah. And I'm not necessarily a straight up avoidant, although I fit into a lot of the categories around that. I would say that I was avoidant anxious, but for a long time I was avoidant. I guess I'm like, now I'm saying this and then I'm thinking, you know, when I was younger, I really was avoidant and not anxious in that relationship sense. But in life, I always was. I was very anxious and depressed for quite a few years. And I don't feel these things anymore. And even if I get little hints of it, little tiny pieces of it that might show up, it's not my inclination to separate and isolate and do what I used to do as a way of trying to take care of myself because it's really not taking care of yourself. A lot of people who are avoidant, they come off tough. I am a tough cookie. I talked about that in other uh, podcast episodes. That's not really ever going to make you feel good. Your ego might feel good, but you've pushed a lot of people away. And it's hard to soften when you're in that position. Softening, being vulnerable, ooh, that is touchy, touchy, and no thank you to most avoidance. Why? Because they feel out of control. Nobody likes to feel out of control. At least most people don't. And so when you look at an avoidant, it's not because they're trying to be an asshole for any other reason than self-preservation. That's really the bottom line. No matter what is said or done, it's about self-preservation, something they learned at an early age. When these people needed warmth and affection as a kid, they got rejected or ignored or something. And that's the sucky part, right? Their parents could have loved them. But even that, if they, again, had any issues of their own, it may not have come out. Plus, there was a time the parenting style was very much about that. Uh, let the kid cry. They'll fall asleep eventually. Who gives a shit, right? I mean, babies, they don't know how to communicate. All they can do is cry. It's amazing that we would deny them. But that was the going, I, I want to say in the 50s and 60s. I don't know what the 70s, I don't remember. But uh, I wasn't a parent then. I was a kid. <laughs> so I don't know. But it just was a theme. And so some parents followed it, some didn't. But 
avoidance are usually, as adults, pursuers. And they basically do not want anybody who would be a secure person. They don't want that. And they may want somebody who has an anxious attachment because on the one hand, that person isn't going to abandon them, right? And they're going to be hooked. And at the same time, it's going to drive them crazy. So they create that toxic push-pull situation. So avoidance do attract other avoidance. And those relationships where it's not, let's say, the avoidant anxious, the avoidant anxious, but it's two avoidance, you have two people who are never connecting. They're always coming together for a second and going apart. And they will basically feel this is very familiar. It will be uncomfortable. It can even make them anxious on some level. But that anxiety is nothing close to wanting them to get closer, okay, and sustain it. They want to steer clear of emotional intimacy in romantic relationships. And so... The thing is, most people who are avoidance will say they want a relationship. Not all. I shouldn't say most. I don't even know what the, I, I don't want to say, oh, 50% because I'd be full of shit if I said that. Some percentage will steer clear completely of romantic relationships. Absolutely. Even though there's a deep desire to be rescued, to have somebody show up and say, I understand you. I can see you like nobody else has seen you and all that other shit. But the problem is, Wanting someone else to come rescue you, excuse me, and see you, how you've never been been seen. I'm having trouble talking. <laughs> how you've never been seen is sort of wishful thinking because you can't even see yourself clearly. All you might see are your wounds. You might just see these pieces and parts that you don't love and you want someone else to love so that you feel okay. Or not. People who are avoidance don't do well when somebody wants too much from them. So even though they may appear that they want a relationship and they're out there dating, in fact, half the dating pool is avoidance, and they get uncomfortable and start to freak out when they get too close because there's a feeling of overwhelm. There's a feeling of engulfment that starts to happen if somebody expresses any kind of need. And I remember at times when I was becoming more anxious than avoidant in certain relationships and I'd want more from a person who's avoidant and that shit just didn't fly. I would then feel bad about my needs making me avoid even more by the way so then I'd be doing the whole I'm an avoidant anxious avoidant woo you know like just doing the dance step I'm an avoidant oh I'm an anxious oh I'm an avoidant oh I'm an anxious I mean back and forth it's pretty hilarious and not hilarious as it felt good but uh just imagining doing like the cha-cha here and you're just moving back and forth the wonderful push-pull yo-yo relationship but that's the thing I remember when I had this one relationship and somebody telling me that they couldn't handle anybody's needs they couldn't even handle their own yeah because they felt engulfed by needs period So this person walked around in a state of anxiety all the time, all the time. So they weren't feeling good. It's not like you could look at them and go, wow, you're an avoidant. You don't need anybody. You're so fucking cool. No. Person was in a lot of pain constantly. 
not a fun place to live. So when you have people who are avoidance, some of the things that they do around that are pretty painful, especially if, let's say you've got a push-pull situation going on, right? You're the avoidant and you're blaming the other person for their neediness or whatever it is that you need to do to pull away. See, so you're the you're being the victim and then the victim, who's the person you're pulling away from, of course, in their own mind because, you know, victim attracts victim, right? Sees you as the persecutor. Sees you as the person who is causing all the problems and they're not the problem. Meanwhile, you're seeing them as the problem. Like, can't they just get their shit together? Why do they need so much from me? Can't they just spend time with me and not want anything else, right? Can't they just want very little? And it's not necessarily that the other person, well, usually I, sh- I take that back. I was going to say somebody who's securely attached isn't going to be with an avoidant. They're just not going to because they're not getting anything. They're emotionally stable. So they don't get anything from that situation. But somebody who is anxious is looking at the avoidant as possibly solving their own childhood issues. And so they want the avoidant to rescue them. I cannot tell you how many people I work with who are waiting for somebody to have a brick fall on their head. I've said this in other podcasts to wake the fuck up and suddenly show up how they want them to which is a gargantuan fantasy. Not gonna happen. (laughs) Never gonna happen. Never. And what I mean by that is not in the context that you want it to. They may wake up one day because they're in a lot of pain and they decide, you know what, I don't want to feel this way anymore. But it's not going to be because of you. We do things because of ourselves. And if we do them because of other people, it's not lasting and it's not real. It's so that you don't lose something. And that never works as a strategy, let's say, to feel better or to get to a better place with yourself. It just doesn't work. So when it comes to people that are clinging or wanting more, avoidance will usually duck and run. They're like, I'm out. See you later. Bye-bye. So the brick on the head, I used to have that fantasy in so many relationships, right? Oh, the brick's going to fall on their head, but the brick needed to fall on my head for me to wake up. So anyways, back to when with these push-pull situations and perhaps the avoidant feels like they're going to lose the other person, there's different ways that they cope with it. They might withdraw prematurely. They'll withdraw once the threat of loss doesn't, like they've numbed it out. Okay. And, and so sometimes when an avoidant withdraws, what happens is the anxious person is hoping that that avoidant is going to wake up and smell the coffee and come running back. And sometimes they do if their anxiety gets the best of them, but they come running back out of fear, not love. And then the avoidant who doesn't go running back, who's able to deny their vulnerability and repress all of their emotions, become numb, compartmentalize, all that kind of crap. That's pretty heavy duty. I was talking to a client whose mate compartmentalizes. And I I said to her, I go, your mate compartmentalizes, so I'm not sure where your emotional connection is. I'm not sure how you stay connected. 
and feel good in this relationship all the time because you're trying to tell me on the one hand you do feel good in this relationship but what it points to is you're working too hard to make something work that is very painful to begin with it's like you're taking tiny little sticks and trying to build a castle instead of having the proper materials to do so and people do this all the time and that's because it's what you're used to you're used to getting a little bit and let's say that you're an avoidant also and you're with another avoidant well you don't need a lot or you don't think you do but then of course as you start to draw closer to somebody you might find you need more you might find you need a lot more and that will if somebody's going to break up with you you might become very manipulative. You might do the things I just suggested, but you might become manipulative and employ strategies that are going to point to putting the guilt on the other person, putting something on the other person so that they'll stop perhaps what they're doing. Perhaps they'll stop breaking up with you or separating from you. And, and so it's just sort of a vicious circle of pain and so there are the avoidance like I said who just avoid close relationships they might have had one or two and been oh I'm done with this shit and that might be it they don't want to be in emotionally messy places that involve them because it's uncomfortable it makes them want to run it's scary most of the time as an avoidant You don't even know what it is you're avoiding. You just feel this huge fear and you have no idea what it is. And most of the time you don't want to inspect it because there can be so much anxiety related to it. And the problem is when you have anxiety, you really struggle to get underneath it to find out what's really going on with yourself. I know I used to. And even if I experience intense emotions of any sort which I really don't but I'm trying to think because I don't want to say oh I never do because I'm sure I do it doesn't happen often enough so I'm thinking all right Trace when was the last time but anything that's been over the top at least in the past you get stuck in it and so somebody who's an avoidant you sort of get stuck in an emotion in other words You can compartmentalize, you can numb out, but those emotions have a funny little way of sneaking out, right? And that's what I was saying, that living in that uncomfortable place, that anxious place, and not being able to get out of it, and you think perhaps it's about avoiding more, compartmentalizing more, numbing out more, so you don't feel it. I used to want to do that. I didn't want to feel my feelings. That was like a horrible idea because like I'm saying, I couldn't put my finger on what I was so afraid of or even realize that I was acting in fear. See, that's the thing with being an avoidant. Most avoidants are so numbed out and cut off, they don't even realize that they're reacting from a fearful place. They don't realize that how they're feeling is coming from a position of I don't want to feel fear. But it's all about fear that's driving it. It is. It's complete and total fear. 
even entering into a relationship where you think you can manage or control it emotionally, well, I'll get close enough, but not that close. We can spend time together. People have these friends with benefits sort of relationships, right? Nobody's going to get close. We're just going to be buddies and fuck. Well, it never works that way. And the problem is denying your own basic nature. That's what you do as an avoidant. And I can say all of these things to somebody who's an avoidant. And that doesn't mean they're going to go, oh shit, I better do something about it. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. It takes really wanting to experience life because you just don't. As an avoidant, this is a sad part. You can look at somebody and say, why won't they commit to me? Why can't they get closer to me? What in the hell is wrong with them? And meanwhile, you're of course not looking at yourself. Okay, let me FYI that one. But at the same time, you're looking at people and you're judging them and you're not even understanding what is really going on with them. They're not emotionally experiencing shit because you can't. When you are compartmentalized, when you are numbed out, you never feel the full experience of anything. You're checked out. You're not in the moment. So you can't recall the moment most of the time. And on top of not being able to recall the moment, you can get stuck in believing this is as good as it gets. And so it gets harder and harder for you to feel anything. It gets harder for something to penetrate and have meaning or fulfillment because it really won't. It'll be a watered down version because you can't handle the whole version. Because you can't handle closeness. You can't handle joy. You can't handle any of that because you're going to judge the shit out of it and make sure you numb that out too because God forbid you feel too much happiness, meaning something happy going on, not necessarily living in a state emotionally of happiness, but having a happy event. You can only feel so much of it, but there's still a hint of, okay, that's about as much as I can handle, whether it's a wall, whether it's the shoe is going to drop. Avoidance aren't happy people. They can say they are because they're numb as fuck, some of them, but that's not happy. That's being disconnected from yourself. That's not even know what makes you happy. You can assume what would make you happy. Because maybe you've read a great book on things that make you happy and you're experiencing those things and you're like, okay, this is better than getting beaten with a baseball bat, but it's not necessarily doing anything great for you in terms of making you feel that your life feels wonderful to you, meaning how you're experiencing it because you're connected on the inside. You get what I'm throwing down? So, you've got to look at yourself if you're in a relationship with an avoidant and see where you avoid. You know, where you're calling someone out. How much of the victim are you? How much of the victim are they? You're mirrors for each other. If you're a person who's anxious and you're with somebody who's an avoidant, look at how you're avoiding yourself. You're purposely choosing somebody who's not going to give you what you want. So you're setting yourself up for failure if you think you're going to have an emotionally intimate relationship, which tells me that A, you don't know what emotional intimacy really is because you are on the insecure attachment spectrum, right? 
So you only have your experiences to draw from. And there's some intense emotions in there that you're trying to handle. And you think if this person would do this or they do that. But again, you chose somebody who's an avoidant. And you'll tell me, well, they're charming. And in the beginning, they were this or that. Well, yes, because nobody was really getting close to anybody in the first month or two, at least enough where there were points of discomfort. Or maybe it happened sooner. It doesn't even matter when it happened. Maybe it was six weeks in. Maybe it was three dates in. There was some point where if there was any sort of emotion that was being exchanged, emotional intimacy, that the avoidant backed off. That's why when you start dating somebody and they're overly charismatic or they're pulling you in so strongly, you have to be aware of what's really going on. And the only way you can tell is really to look within. You can try and judge the other person, but you've got to trust what you're doing, where you are, what you're feeling. And that's the bottom line. And most people don't do that. We look at the other person as the problem. And then you have somebody who's a true avoidant and they're like, okay, I want to keep this person around. I have fun with them, but I need some distance from them so I don't feel any feelings because right now I'm feeling really uncomfortable and I don't like how I feel. I need to get it back under control. So they're pushing away or they're thinking that the other person has issues. Both parties are thinking the other person has issues, by the way, and they're just in a state of reaction with one another. Unfortunately, as an avoidant, you tend to try and suppress all your emotions as much as you can. That's the way you try to control. That's not emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is not to suppress or repress. No, 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 no. All you're doing is shoving shit down. Where do you think suppression comes from? If I suppress boiling water on the stove with a lid, what's going to happen, right? It's going to hopefully not come out. I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating here, by the way, because I realize, well, it's kind of a half-assed analogy, Tracy. Um, you know, it's putting the lid on. I'm going, well, the water will evaporate, Trace. Hello? Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, let's see, what, what could I use here? Um, hmm. Anyways, we'll just pretend a container. Let's pretend a container is. <laughs> you put a lid on a container and there's stuff in the container. It can't get out, can it? No. See, there we go. It's a piece of Tupperware. And you put some jello in it. And it has a lid on it. So where can the jello go? Well, it's going to stay stuck in there. That's your emotions. They're staying stuck. If you take the lid off and you throw the bowl across the room, the jello is going to come out everywhere. And that's what an avoidant is afraid of, right? Losing their jello everywhere. Nobody wants to lose their jello everywhere because all they can remember is as a kid how unsafe and how fucked up it felt to put it out there, to have their emotions seen, to really be seen. They don't want to do that. That is risky crap, man. So, hey, makes sense, doesn't it? And unfortunately, you can keep the cycle up and stay miserable because you have a negative attachment to certain experiences that happened as a kid. And in fact, that's why a lot of people, when I start working with them, I get a lot of people who can't remember parts of their childhood because they just want to not remember. They've suppressed the memories. And 
I've had that happen more than once. It'll be very vague. It'll feel vague. Or it'll just feel an overall feeling of discomfort or sadness. And I even have people who tell me they had a good childhood. And then as we start digging, we realize, oh my God, they didn't have a good childhood. But there is a tendency to not have dealt with the reality because on some level they felt rejected. There was a feeling of rejection. And for most people who are avoidance, they live in that. It's a victim, victimized place to live. Along with being called the persecutor. So some people who are avoidance are used to be called, you know, being called somebody who can't commit, somebody who's an asshole, somebody who's a user. I mean, there's so many different things. And the problem is that a person who's an avoidant is really in pain. They may not feel their pain because they're numb, but they're in pain. And they may be angry, angry at everything, angry at the universe, angry at other people, feeling somebody owes them something, wanting something magical to happen that would require them to not have to open themselves up. I used to think that I was open, which is so fucking hilarious, by the way, and that if just the right person or the right thing would show up, all would be great. But I was so closed, I didn't even understand that that was something to be considered. But it is. It's like you think something's going to come in and save you. You think somebody's going to rescue you. You think somebody is going to recognize something, the deep pain you're in, and they're not. Because you're not recognizing it. You're not open. You're suppressing. So it's all stuck in there like jello in a Tupperware. Well, that sucks. <laughs> it's painful. But we'll stay doing that. I have people that are constantly looking at not changing. They want to work with me and they're looking for excuses to keep things just the same. Just the same. Oh, did I say I really wanted to change? Did I say that I... And it's not that you're changing. It's you're releasing things. You're getting rid of all the jello, okay? Along with getting rid of all the jello, the other thing you're, you're doing if you start to do this kind of work, which is to embrace your emotions, to release this stuff, when you're an avoidant, it's to stand still, put both feet in and be right there and see how crazy you feel. You'll have the urge to run, that's for sure. And that's okay. And even if you do run, at least recognize it. You're going to have no interest in being vulnerable. You would rather cut off your right arm or you're going to look at vulnerability as something intermittent rather than something you do consistently. You want things to change. Look to consistency of opening yourself up. You have to feel the feelings so that you can release all the jello in you. You want to get rid of it. Who the hell wants to walk around with that shit jiggling inside? I don't. And it's so much a relief. And it's so funny because even now I'll notice that, not that I have secrets to keep. This is so, because it's really kind of stupid what I'm about to say. It's, it's along the lines of things I reveal about myself, like in my relationship. And these aren't like deal breakers or anything crazy. It's just even like little things. I find if I don't reveal it, it feels like I'm kind of stopped up, you know, that I'm, I'm suppressing something 
And it's just the old habit of wanting to do that. And then I'll just state it. And it's not that it's, again, anything earth shattering or deal breaker style, but I find that I don't want to retain anything that makes me feel like I'm hiding out because I spent so many years avoiding and hiding out. Because part of the reason that people are avoidance is they're afraid of being judged. They don't want to be seen like they were as a kid as any reason to be rejected. And so they have these perfect facades that nobody will criticize or if people do, you can just discard them. I used to say that, oh, I break up, I never get back together. And that was true at one point in my life. And I would talk to a lot of avoidance who would say the same thing because you just cut off and you'd suppress. It's so funny. Like that's such a strong thing to do, right? I used to think that was so strong and I was so tough and oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I would, I would tell myself that bullshit and I would just stuff my feelings somewhere. And again, couldn't figure out why I was always stressed out. Even though people thought I was really calm, I had a really rocking facade. You couldn't tell unless I got triggered with something. And then I would get stuck. But I still didn't want people to know. I would hide out. I would disappear. I'd have friends trying to call me and I wouldn't surface. I would be isolating because I'd be busy drowning in my own pity party. And then, of course, when I was ready to reemerge, then I could deal with life and I could deal with people. I could deal with whatever was going on because I'd compartmentalized it. Not that I had dealt with it and emotionally come to a place of understanding myself and feeling my feelings. I just buried the shit. Oh my Lord, give me a shovel, right? Anyway, you have to want to come forward. You have to trust yourself. These are things that are built over time, by the way. This isn't something that you just snap your fingers and have happen. You want to build trusting, loving relationships with people. You may feel weak if you let them see. You might not be in control. Some people who are avoidance, I will say this as a caveat, mentioning how they're not really rescuers. Well, you can be a rescuer, okay? Because people can look to you as a savior, and you can keep people at a distance that way because how can you get close to people you're always rescuing? You can't because it's the superior to the inferior, at least for most people who do rescuing. That's what they're doing. It's a way to feel better and feel needed because, oh my God, they don't have, you know, as a rescuer, I don't have those pesky emotions. This isn't all rescuers and this definitely is a not all avoidance. It's a lot of them though when it comes to that type of rescuing, which isn't really rescuing because let me, let me be very clear about this. When I brought it up in the beginning, when I'm talking about the victim and the persecutor, I'm talking about in an intimate relationship. The person who's the rescuer in the intimate relationship, that's, you know, the asshole avoidant, okay, the one we're nailing as the avoidant, is a rescuer of other people outside of the relationship, like they're out, oh, he's such a nice guy. He does so many nice things for, you know, all the neighbors and everybody he works with. And oh, wow. Right? Go, goes home and has nothing to do with his spouse. Has nothing to do with anybody. Fuck you. Leave me alone. I'm angry. I'm pissed off. Or the woman who goes running around to take care of everybody and everything and goes home and has nothing to do with her family emotionally, shows up, physically checked out, 
whatever that happens to be. So anyways, it's really interesting how these work, you know, the, the victim triangle, drama triangle. And, and so that's what I wanted to be clear about is when I mentioned it in the beginning, in that intimate relationship, you're not going to find that. Now you'll find somebody who's an anxious person who's trying to rescue the persecutor. You know, they're the victim and the rescuer. And they're, they're looking at the avoidant going, you asshole, I can save you though. If I can only get you to change, maybe I'll read you Mars and Venus one more time. Or I'll send you notes of quotes all day long, you know, in my text messages, all these quotes or all these articles you should read and all this other shit. And meanwhile, the person that's the anxious person isn't realizing their own avoidance. Again, I'm reiterating that. So I just wanted to get a little clarity. If you have any confusion about it, let me know because (laughs) there's a lot of moving parts there. But that triangle is applied in different ways in different relationships. It's never the same thing. So I wanted to be very clear with that. And the way, of course, to get started, folks, open that fucking lid, let loose, breathe, talk to somebody, not from your head, but from the emotional space, from everything you compartmentalize. Instead of compartmentalizing next time, Say what's true, even if you mumble, even if it's dribbling out, or try not being tough. Just be. Say something instead of acting like a tough ass. Stoic or I'm fine, whatever, okay? I'm a martyr. No, just stop for a second. Any situation, just stop and speak up. Be real. Next time you're angry at the universe, next time you're angry at somebody, just stop for a second and feel your feelings and speak the truth and take responsibility. Every single one of you listening, oh my God, it's like such a gift. It's such a gift to take responsibility. Huge. You want to feel better? Understand that you're the creator of your life. Yeah, you didn't have a lot of choices as a kid in how you perceive things and that's okay. That's fine. But you know, as an adult, you have choices. So you can choose so much more for yourself if you want. Or you can stay stuck in this wonderful cycle for as long as you decide to torture yourself. Because in the end, you're the one who's tortured. You're the one who doesn't have emotional connections to other people. But mostly, you don't have an emotional connection to yourself. It's a lonely way to live. And it's not really living. It's like you could go on the best vacation in the world and you'll just be numbed out and compartmentalized. You don't really get to feel it at that level. So anyways, all right. I hope that was enough for all of you craving information about avoidance. But as you can see, it's not so cut and dry. So if you got questions, let me know. I will do my best to get back to you. Sometimes it takes a while because I get a lot of questions in my inbox. Anyways, folks, have a good one. Bye-bye. Questions about today's show? Reach out to Tracy at info at tracycrossley.com. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating for the show so it can be heard by more people. For all things Tracy, check out tracycrossley.com.